Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman, your host. Today, I have we have our editorial roundup. We have our reporter from the Cotona Lewisboro Times and Yorktown News, Nick Trujillo. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I always struggle with that. Also, I have Tom Walagorski. He's the editor of the Somers Record and North Salem News. And I also have Bob Dumas, the editor of Mayapac News. And I just want to say, Brian Marshall is not with us today. He's taking a day off to do some other work. But I have to say, uh, his last name is easy to say. It's just very difficult to spell. So uh, the spelling of it is uh, something I have to constantly verify every time. But I, I will admit, I cut and paste his last name sometimes. And I actually did it this morning when I was forwarding him an email. Like, I'm not even taking a shot at it. I know uh, there's the double H. So it's M-A-R-S-C-H-H-A-U-S-C-R. Yep. <laughs> the double H is what kind of kills you. Anyway, so... Um, I just want to let everyone know, so this is coming out the week of our election, but we are recording this on October 28th, so we have no clue who won, and we will discuss that, obviously, on the episode that will come out the week after the election. So, uh, you know, this is we recorded this a week before, and so that's sort of the, the workflow for us here. But I do want to jump right in with Nick. There's some one tragic story that I'd love if you could just share with our readers. And, you know, obviously, I guess there's a GoFundMe to help out this family. So so we'll start with Katona Lewis Perot. And that tragic story is unfortunately the death by suicide of Emily Rose Storm, who was a 20-year-old transgender first responder. She passed away on, or they passed away on October 10th. So I apologize. The GoFundMe started by her sister, Valerie, has raised over $40,000, $43,000 and $570 to be exact, blowing way past their goal of $4,000, which they reached on the first day. I spoke to Valerie. It was very tragic and moving conversation. She spoke about issues in the first responder community and how they aren't really supported with mental health issues. So that's inspired her to want to create a fund for them focused on first responder mental health called Through the Storm in Emily's name. She doesn't know how to go about doing that yet, but... And what, what was she a first responder with? I believe it was the Katona Lewisboro EMT, but I can check the story real quick. Also, I mean, it, it's interesting. We, we often, as a newspaper, when we hear rumors of suicide, we don't report that normally, um, mm-hmm. unless it's like a major figure in town where you kind of can't avoid it. That's sort of like the rule of thumb with newspapers, but it sounds like her family is being completely out in the open about that this is death by suicide. Valerie was very gracious for the coverage. She wanted to celebrate Emily's life and her legacy because she was. it seemed like they were so loved in the community and the outpouring of support they got was really, really touching. And just to answer your question, Brett, Emily started as a volunteer firefighter with the Vista Fire Department as age 17 and was working as an EMT for the Bedford Hills Ambulance Corp and Westchester EMS and was also in the process of furthering their paramedic education at Westchester Community College. And how can people contribute to this GoFundMe? There's the link, of course, but Valerie has asked that any further donations go to the Trevor Project, which is a charity that was near and dear to Emily's heart. And the family was able to make a sizable donation to the Trevor Project with the money they've gotten. So if you'd like to support the family, they're asking that you just send money to the Trevor Project. 
Trevor Project is a charity that focuses on suicide prevention in the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's simple. The Trevor Project.org. Trevor spelled T-R-E-V-O-R. So the Trevor Project.org. Nick, thanks for sharing that horrible story. And But sounds like they're kind of using this tragedy to do some good in the yeah. world. So, you know, it's good that we're sharing this with the community. And then also uh, tell us a little bit about this festival that went on in Lewisboro. So the Festival for Our Future, which occurred on Saturday, October 23rd at Lewis Bower Town Park, was a celebration of climate awareness, racial justice, and education on a variety of topics. It was hosted by a group of 20 members of the community, of the Katona Lewisboro community, some of who helped organize the Juneteenth celebration and the Pride celebrations over the summer, which I thought was really cool. It was highlighted by guest speakers, State Senator Pete Harkum, Town Supervisor Marianne Carr, the Lewisboro Town Board, and there was an open mic session, so anybody could go up and voice their opinions on issues. Many nonprofit organizations showed up, most notably Bedford 2030, which is a big climate or grassroots climate activist group in Bedford. So just to stop you, because this is the Hudson Valley Uncensored, so I want to keep to the spirit of Hudson Valley Uncensored. You said anyone can go up and talk about issues. I'm assuming no conservatives are going up and talking about what they believe. I'm assuming this is a very left-wing... It seemed like it. Okay. But I'm sure if conservatives wanted to voice their minds on issues, I assume that they would have been welcome at that event. I'm not so sure, but all right. But, But you could be right. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I just had to keep in the spirit of Hudson Valley Uncensored. So <laughs> it seemed like a cool celebration and just a, a chance for members of the Lewisboro community to come out and show support for these issues. All right. Great, great. And I know you wanted to quickly mention uh, about the Yorktown budget. Sure. Let's go, let's yeah. go into Yorktown budget real quick. Yeah. On Tuesday, October 26th, Matt Town Supervisor Matt Slater, like five hours before the town board meeting, presented in a 12-minute video, the town's first 2022 budget. It's a $63 million budget that would cut taxes for the first time since 1993. The town board will discuss it more with department heads on November 4th and 5th, and they have some 2022 capital improvement goals, such as finishing the Hallett's Mill Mill Sewer District expansion, renovating the Railroad Park basketball court, completing the water meter replacement project, which has been going on for 10 years, and replacing the Yorktown Sage seats with a $100,000 grant that they just secured from, or that State Senator Pete Harkin just secured for them. I actually think that's the, probably among the biggest news item there is, you know, the Yorktown stage. I mean, that I know that's, that's a cool. b- beloved institution in, in the town. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool that they're uh, updating that. It's such a great spot for culture in Yorktown. And those seats are original to the building, to the Albert A. Capellini Center, which is from 1923 and received additions in 1927 to 1935. So they're all probably not too comfortable. I can't imagine. I actually sat in those seats, uh, I think it was late August because I went to do a story on the Yorktown stage. Remember, they had that yep. um, they had that set there. Those seats were not that comfortable. So no. let's see what we'll see what the new ones bring. And I hear that also there's a new assistant superintendent in Lakeland. Yes. Yeah, so a couple Lakeland realignment stuff. Obviously, Dr. Lyons had resigned on October 2nd, and Dr. Karen Gagliardi had been named interim superintendent for instruction on October 7th. So, in a letter to the community and at Last Thursday's Board of Education meeting, Gagley already announced that Dr. Tracy Norman will move from principal of George Washington Elementary School to her former role as assistant superintendent for instruction. And Mark Casey will move from assistant principal of Copper Beach Middle School to now the principal of George Washington Elementary. And the district is still in the process of looking for a replacement for Casey to take over his assistant principal role. 
And all, I, I guess the, the new superintendent, that's a temporary position, correct? Or it, it is, but the spirit of the board seems to be that they'll let her play out the rest of the year instead of focusing on a, a search for a new one. Although there are a couple board members that would like to see the search start immediately, but they're outnumbered seven to two, I believe. It's nice to hear this debate on a school board. Sometimes the school boards, you don't hear the debate out in the open. So that's great. So great to know the that. Lakeland school board is not debate. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Tom, I'm going to jump over to you. Uh, I guess the big story, um, and Brian's right about this. The stories that really capture people's attention the most are developments, uh, business developments. Oh, abso- absolutely. Um, yeah, so the, uh, the I guess, well, one of the big stories, I'll touch on a few other things, but yeah, the big story um, for the people of Somers is um, the possibility of a tractor supply coming to town. We had actually covered this once before, but it's just to emphasize, it is in the very preliminary stages, but the project is starting to have some more details. It's starting to take shape a little bit. So they've been, um, you know, the developer who uh, would be leasing the spot, and this is on um, Clayton Boulevard, Route 6, behind the Stop and Shop. It's um, a property, they refer to it as Lot 4. And that's, uh, you know, we're theoretically where this could be going. And yep, tractor supply. They this want is to a ball, I'm sorry, Baldwin Place. Yes, yes. It would be a, a proposed a 22,000 square foot building to kind of put that in perspective of how big it is compared to something else. So um, that would be about 13% larger than like the DeChico and Sons grocery store, just to give everybody an idea of how like how much bigger this would be. So we're, we're talking about a pretty big space here. Just looking at on our Facebook page, I'm seeing that, you know, there are some people who are excited and some people not so excited. Why are the people not excited? What's their issue? From the sense that I get, and um, this is a, a great thing of like why social media can be used as sort of a metric. And like we were talking before the before we started recording that um, since I put this up last night, the responses have been very interesting in the sense that it'll be somebody very pro the project and somebody very anti again, like just one after another. So it seems like there is a pretty sharp division there. And it seems like from what I can tell is that people don't they like the small town rustic aesthetic of Somers and everything. They don't want it to become strip malls and things like that. So I have to tell our list. I, I live in Fairfield County, as do you, uh, Tom, and uh, I hope you don't mind. I just gave that away. Oh, um, but, <laughs> um, I, I live up in Newtown. I have a tractor supply about 10 minutes from my house. I went there for the very, very first time. Actually, a colleague of mine at Halston Media, Paul Forehand, he's one of our salespeople here. He introduced me to tractor supply. He brought me over there just to take a look at it. He got me a gift when I moved into the house. And I have to say, I fell in love with that store. It is a fantastic store. It's a lifestyle store. What I mean by that is like this is like an eclectic mix of things they sell, you know. So They're really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so like they have some clothing, they have pet food, they sell chickens, like I mean like live chickens, they sell some plants and seedlings, and then obviously hardware, you know, tools and hardware. And so it's really an incredible store. It really is. Ironically, they don't sell tractors, which was something yeah. that I honestly like. I'll admit. <laughs> yeah, the name I, of the I, store I throws aware. people off. You it know, makes no one sense. In Patterson, about fifteen minutes from Carmel, and uh, it's exceedingly popular and has done nothing to change the small town feel of Patterson. They're very. Uh, they're really cool. So yeah, that's, I think a, and that's, that's a spot that's kind of out on its own there. But um, yeah, you're right. They do sell chickens. Also, something that I, I learned in the process of reporting this story is that um, the town ordinance that the people of Somers are only allowed to have six chickens or less. For our listeners, there's everybody's little fun fact today. You cannot have more than six chickens in Somers. I'm, I'm assuming that's also dependent on the acreage of the house, too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm assuming like nobody in Heritage Hills is allowed to have a, uh, a chicken in their backyard. 
<laughs> so anyway, but like I said, this is uh, go, go getting getting back to it here. So yeah, this is. Um, I mean, there's still a lot to be figured out in terms of the like for a store of the space that they're proposing. They would need a lot more parking to make it feasible. Right now, that area would only support about 76 parking spots for a store of that size. They would need 110, so there would need to be some finagling there with the property. You know, I, th- I just think that especially too, like that, you know, Somers borders on North Salem, which is a huge equestrian community and everything. I think that this could be a good thing for the community. And it does seem like that the more people are in favor of it than against it. So, you know, so far, but again, we are in the very preliminary stages of what this project could be. So I'll say because of the location um, and, you know, uh, so I'll reveal a little of our uh, internal workings here to our listeners. This is actually a story uh, for Yorktown News for sure. And this is also a story for Mayapac News because this is right in a Baldwin place. So, Tom, I hope you can share your story with Bob and Brian. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because definitely right that location is like you could walk to all three towns. Um, and to, to Bob's point, yeah. the closest one, um, the closest tractor supply is in Patterson, which, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a hike from some, from where some of our other, you know, listeners and readers are going to be. So I know I think this could be a nice centralized location that, like you said, really does impact kind of all five of our towns here. Great. And uh, Tom, I'll, I, I know you wanted to touch on some other things uh, and then we'll jump over to Bob after that. Yeah, a couple things. Um, uh, just uh, looking ahead to next issue and everything. Um, we uh, the people of North Salem have been very, very busy with fundraising. So we're actually going to have a whole bunch of different stories about uh, different fundraisers and some of the money that's been raised for different causes. Just uh, a real quick rundown: We had the um, the North Salem Foundation for Learning just had an event at Hayfield's Market. We're going to have an interview with their uh, with their president. I'll be speaking with him tomorrow morning. They handle um, funding for enrichment programs for North Salem students, so they do a lot of good work. Uh, I'm also going to be speaking with uh, members of the North Salem varsity volleyball team. They just completed their annual Dig Pink fundraiser, which raises money for uh, breast cancer awareness and research. So uh, a couple good fundraising stories coming out there. And then uh, one story that uh, impacts both my towns and actually probably everybody's town because it's a nationwide thing. So uh, if anybody's familiar with uh, U.S. News and World Report, they um, are famous for doing their college rankings and high school rankings. They have actually expanded that now, and they're going to be doing middle school and elementary school rankings. Interesting. For the, for the first time. So uh, in our next issue, we're going to have a recap of how the Somers schools and North Salem schools did for their new national rankings and everything. So it should be interesting for parents and educators to see where we landed on the. And um, I have Great. the numbers for I have the numbers for Somers. We are above the state average for everything for Somers Intermediate School and Somers Middle School. So good news for the district there. I have to say when we uh, we moved away from Carmel a little over a year ago, and as we were looking, you know, certainly on those real estate sites. It's not from the U.S. News and World Report, but there's, I guess, great schools or something, some kind of uh, website that ranks schools. And, you know, it's definitely it's good to have a highly ranked school because that definitely impacts your thought process when you have children, you know, what districts you want to move into. So, Oh, absolutely. And I remember using that, um, you know, when I was looking at colleges and everything, that was like the go-to rankings for things. And then I know that the high schools came later on. And no, I've, you know, I just from speaking with people that have moved, especially to Somers, you know, a lot of people that are transplants that didn't grow up there, they always say that they were attracted by the school district and, you know, you go by the rankings for things. So that's, uh, it is, you know, those numbers are important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump over to Bob now. You do have a budget story you want to talk about. Let's discuss that. Yeah, well, budgets are usually pretty boring, but this year, uh, the one in Carmel is a little bit more kinetic and interesting in that, well, we've already written about the initial preliminary budget that was introduced last week, which is, it's kind of hard to understand. The tax rate has gone down, but yet 
the reason for that is because the valuation of properties has gone up. And we had a townwide revaluation a couple of years ago after the town hadn't done that for like 20 years. And everybody's property value shot through the roof and it caused a lot of consternation and hand-wringing and people saying they could no longer live and we're going to move and sell our houses. But everything settled down. But what happened is the town decided to do it annually, do a town-wide revaluation annually. So that wouldn't happen anymore. But as a result of the exodus of people moving out of the city during the pandemic and coming up here and gobbling up all the real estate, it drove real estate prices up. And so everybody's house is worth more, which is a good thing. But when it comes to your taxes, you're going to get billed more. So the taxes rate went down, but your house is worth more. So chances are your bill is going to be higher if everybody can follow that. Not necessarily. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a budget nerd myself, just from having done budget stories in the past as a reporter. There's a pie and, um, you know, people's share of the pie could go up or down depending on how they compare to the rest of the town. And then there's a tax levy. So if the tax rates go down and people's valuations go up, if everybody's valuation has gone up, it really might not change their bill you know, whatsoever. I mean, it might go slightly up if someone's individual home, their valuation went up more than, than someone else's valuation. Right. Uh, well, it's yeah. not going to be the same for everybody. And it, yeah. I mean, if it, you're stayed flat, then you're probably going to get a lower tax bill. If it just went up a little, a smudge, it still might be a, a smaller bill. But for somebody who say had a house at $350,000 and now it's 500,000 and that's going to, and the controller assured me that's going to happen. You're going to see a a higher bill on top of it all. Everybody knows New York state has a tax cap for the levy, the amount of money they're allowed to collect via taxes this year. It's it's either 2% or the inflation rate whichever is lowest in this year, inflation rate was like 2.7. So it's 2% this year. And the cost of garbage pickup, about 10 years ago, Carmel started its own town-funded garbage service. It used to be everybody had to, you know, every homeowner had to contract their own. And by doing this, it was cheaper for the individual homeowner when the town started doing it. However, the prices have gone through the roof. The town had budgeted about half a million dollars in this year's preliminary budget, but the bids have been coming in much, much higher than that. We're on our third round of bids and they're not optimistic that it's going to come in any lower and it could be as much as a million dollars. So twice the $500,000 that they originally budgeted, and that will bust the 2% tax cap. You know, I have no idea years ago why they changed that. You know, Maypac News was, was around when they changed that. And we reported on it. And I have to say, A, that got me really angry because before uh, the town run garbage pickup, we had garbage companies competing for residents' business, which means we had a lot of garbage pickup advertisers and that completely <laughs> that completely dried up when the town took over so that annoyed me as a business owner but i also scratched my head why would they want to get in that business i mean the fact is can't homeowners and sorry i'm just going to get on my high horse here but can't homeowners um decide for themselves which contractor they want to use i mean I well they could yeah. but it would be dumb because doing it through the town they're paying a lot less except for the you know they pay through their taxes so yeah but anyway yeah it's been a wildly popular thing that the town has offered there's no 
protest against it. Everybody loves it because they're paying less per carter. But at any rate, the cost has gone up. Town officials aren't exactly sure. There's speculation, you know, gas prices, finding drivers in the wake of the pandemic. Everything is just more expensive. This is just way more expensive than they anticipated. So anyway, we'll know by the time this podcast comes out, the bids are coming in. The final round of bids is coming in the first week of November, and they'll know for sure. They've already prepared to have a public hearing if they have to bust a tax cap. They've already put the legal notices out for that. So they're getting all their ducks in a row. So that should tell you something about what they're anticipating that they'll have to do. So it's a weird budget and it's like a good news bad news kind of thing. So um, uh, it's Ken Schmidt's last budget. He leaves office after 16 years at the end of this year. You know, so he was a little melancholy because he didn't want it. He's never, well, he had to bust the cat back in 2008 when we were having all the fiscal difficulties you know, nationwide. But he didn't want to go out on this note, he kind of told me. But that'll be his legacy. Bob, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with all the people moving northward and gobbling up real estate in the wake of the pandemic, what's happening is is inventory has dried up. And so what that has done is it's revitalized a lot of old housing projects that have kind of died on the vine. Developers are starting to realize the market has opened wide up. There are people looking for homes, whether they're condos or townhouses or standalone homes. And so an old project that was known as the Fairways and Gateway Summit in the Hamlet of Carmel, which is right off of Route 6, right on the Carmel-Mayapak border, has come back to life. They were before the planning board last night, October 27th, and they are looking for a site plan. This started back in 2004. This shows you how old this project's been. They've kept all their approvals up to date over all these decades, but now they need a revision because what they're doing is it's two 150-unit projects side by side, so 300 all told. Originally, it was going to be senior housing, but they know the demand is more broader than that. So now it's going to be 114 senior housing, and then the rest are all going to be what they call non-age restricted. So that'll help fulfill the needs of the market. The other thing that's interesting about it is Another change wrought by the pandemic is a lot more people are working from home now. Developers, architects are realizing that. So they're building homes to accommodate that. So some of these townhouses are three stories high, as proposed, that will include areas where people can create home office spaces. So you're going to see more and more of that down the road as these developments are planned as this new reality that we live in with people working from home. So the town is really enthusiastic about this project. They want it to move forward. A lot of the approvals and permits are already in place. So they're just kind of doing some of the final details, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So it looks like this thing is moving forward after it's sitting there dead for almost two decades. One thing I'm going to ask all of you to keep an eye out for, and I think this could impact the story you're talking about, Bob, is um, the supply chain crisis everyone's talking about. You know, I personally haven't seen it locally yet, 
but I'm assuming at some point it's going to impact these projects, you know, with just the ability. We have a number of clients who don't have inventory to sell. Then these are clients, um, some uh, building supply clients have complained about that. So this should be interesting. Well, it's not just that, like lack of inventory, even the stuff that they do have that's available, the price has gone up. I yeah. mean, when yeah. everybody goes out to do their Thanksgiving food shopping, they're going to notice that. So the price of turkey has gone through the roof. <laughs> yeah. I'm being told. So um, it's either not available or available at a higher price. So. Yeah. Yep. Gentlemen, I appreciate this. And uh, we'll talk next week. And Nick, thanks for participating. You did a great job. And take care, everybody. Right. Bye. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye.